after a long day of... You just want to get some... But your... Our popular Casper Original Hybrid mattress is engineered for cool, comfortable sleep. Get a restful night's sleep with our Wave Hybrid mattress, providing more support than foam alone. Upgrade to the Wave Hybrid Snow mattress for a full night of cooler sleep. Offering free contactless delivery and a risk-free 100-night trial. Discover the Casper difference at Casper.com and use code MUSIC100 for $100 off select mattresses. Exclusions apply. The future will be amazing, and that's all well and good. But what about today? You can feel the rush of a 400-horsepower Nissan Z. Or climb to new heights in the all-terrain Nissan Frontier. Light up the road in the all-electric Nissan Aria that feels like a sci-fi dream come true. The future will be great, but today is made for thrill. All you have to do is get in a Nissan and drive. 2023 Aria and Z not yet available for purchase. Expected availability is this spring for 2023 Z and this fall for 2023 Aria. The X-Zone radio and TV show is largely an opinion talk show. All opinions, comments, or statements of fact expressed by Rob McConnell's guests are strictly their own and are not to be construed as those of the X-Zone radio and TV show or in any manner endorsed by Rob McConnell, Relmar McConnell Media Company, Talkstar Radio Network, its affiliated stations, or employees. Welcome back to the Exxon, everyone. My name is Rob McConnell, and we're coming to you live and around the world on the Talk Star Radio Network from our studios in Hamilton, Ontario, Canada. If you'd like to give us a call, our toll-free number is one 528 That is toll-free throughout the U.S., Canada, Alaska, and Hawaii. My email address is xzone at talkstarradio.com. On MSN Messenger, talkstarradio at hotmail.com. And our websites, www.xzoneradio.com and www.xzonetv.com on our web excuse me on our website at xzoneradio.com we have our new high definition uh, promo TV promo for Paragators and if you'd like to go over there and visit and then send an email to me about any comments you have I'd love to hear from you 
the uh, gentleman responsible for the promo is my good friend John Reynolds from SEFX 3D, who is the uh, co-producer of the series with me. This hour, we're going to be speaking to Tim Downs. He is a Phi Beta Kappa graduate of the Indiana University. After graduation in 1976, he created a comic strip, Downstown, which was syndicated by Universal Press Syndicate until 1986. His cartooning has appeared in more than 100 major newspapers worldwide. His first book, a work of nonfiction, was awarded the Golden Medallion Award in 2000, and his third novel, Plague Maker, was awarded the Christie Award for the best CBA suspense novel of 2007. Tim lives in Cary, North Carolina with his wife, Joy. And Tim, welcome to the X-Zone. Tim, are you there? I am here. Oh, welcome to the X-Zone, Tim. Uh, great <laughs> having you with us. I, th I thought maybe uh, some of you, you know, a plague carried you off or whatever happened. <laughs> um, Downstown, I remember that strip. Whatever happened to it? Wow, you know, it just ran its course. I, I wrote the strip for years. It was about uh, single guys. Yeah. By the time I finished the strip, I was married and had two kids. Couldn't even remember what it meant to be single. <laughs> I think we've all been there one time or another. Yeah. Um, your new book, uh, or the book we're talking about tonight, Plague Maker, uh, the Christie Award for the best CBA suspense novel of 2007. Tell us a little bit about Plague Maker. Uh, Plague Maker is a book that I wrote just a, a few years ago. It was actually a book about uh, uh, an elderly uh, Japanese man mm -hmm. who uh, wanted to attack the United States with bubonic plague. Hmm. Maybe you're a visionary. <laughs> well, actually, you know, my stories, though fictional, are always rooted in history. Plague Maker uh, was founded on... Uh, the idea that uh, the Japanese during World War II built a, a biological warfare research facility in rural China. They did it because the Japanese have never liked the Chinese, and they wanted to test their biological weapons on the Chinese peasants. And uh, while they were running Unit 731, they actually developed a bubonic plague bomb, which the Japanese scheduled to use on the city of San Diego in September of 1945. But as fate would have it, the war came to an end one month earlier. So they never got a chance to use their bubonic plague bomb, and Plague Maker just sort of began supposing that there was a, a bitter old man, a scientist left over from Unit 731, who was angry because he never got to use his weapon, and that's what the story's about. All right, you and I will be back on the other side of this commercial break. Tim Downs is our very special guest at this hour, www.authortimdowns.com. My name is Rob McConnell, and this is the Exxon, live and around the world on the Talkstar Radio Network from our studios in Hamilton, Ontario, Canada. In the streets of Motor City, there's a deathly silence. Hey, hey, what? Everybody's gonna jump for joy.
Tim Downs is my special guest this hour, Exonation, www.authortimdowns.com. You know, Tim, I remember doing a story years ago on Fugos, F-U-G-O-S, that were apparently being developed or had been developed by the Japanese during World War II uh, that uh, they found as a way to get uh, either instrumentation, incendiaries, or even uh, troops two, three at a time, over from Japan using the uh, jet stream. Now, does your story use any of the Fugos? Uh, no. In fact, I'm not familiar with that, Rob. I, I'd love to talk with you about that sometime. Very interesting stuff. Yeah. I try to set my stories in history just as much as possible because I think truth is stranger than fiction. Oh, it's true. And you just can't make up things that are any weirder than what have really been done. That's, that is so true. Now, what exactly is agroterrorism? Well, my most recent novel just came out a couple of weeks ago. is called Ends of the Earth, and it's a story about agroterrorism, which is a coordinated terrorist attack, not against a, an airliner or a building or a person, but against our food supply. And there's a lot of terrorism experts that worry that this is a real vulnerability in the U.S. Mm, especially in today, today's society, and even in the news today, there were three or four stories about terrorism in the news. Um, why would a fiction writer choose to do a story about agroterrorism? Because all the press goes to uh, more obvious forms of terrorism, mm -hmm. bombs and uh, uh, the possibility of a nuclear attack. But, you know, the government itself estimates that for a, a terrorist group to build themselves a nuclear weapon from scratch would cost about a billion dollars, and it takes a massive amount of equipment, and the equipment's fairly easy to spot. But if you want to build yourself a pretty good bioweapons arsenal, you could do it for about $10 million, which I think is chump change for a lot of terrorist groups, and all you'd need is a master's degree in chemical engineering. Either that or just somebody who likes to throw concoctions together of, uh, what, what is it, acetone, muriatic acid, and hydrogen peroxide. Bang, away there, you go. There you go. Um, you write fiction. How much of your story is true to life, though? You know, most of it is. I'd love to set my stories in real life because, as I said before, truth is stranger mm -hmm. than fiction. And the fact is, these weapons, uh, agro-weapons, weapons designed to attack food crops, grains, for example, uh, they've been done before. In fact, in, in World War II, uh, the United States developed a rice fungus to use against Japan because Japan is so dependent upon uh, rice crop. Right. But it came to the end of the war, we ran out of time, didn't have to use the weapon, but it existed. Who protects the U.S. food supply from deliberate contamination? Would this now well, that responsibility goes to the Food and Drug Administration mm -hmm. and the U.S. Department of Agriculture. They co-chair a group called FERN, the Food Emergency Response Network. They've got all kinds of things in place to identify a pathogen once it's been released and to quarantine a field, take all these steps. But the problem is they're all things to do after the outbreak's been taken place. And, mm -hmm. and that's the worry is how do you stop something from happening in advance. Aren't you afraid you're giving the uh, bad guys uh, some very bad ideas? You know, the truth is there are bad guys that spend their lives thinking of these ideas. And for me, I sit down for a few hours and come up with something like this. Mm. The good news is in my research, I discover that uh, the good guys have thought of these things, too. So uh, the people on our side, they have contingency plans. They're working on what to do about it. And the problem is when it comes to something like agroterrorism, it's, it's just too big a job. Yeah. I mean, there's 87 million acres of corn that were planted this year alone in the U.S. How do you possibly 
protect that kind of ground. It's next to impossible. That's exactly right. The yeah. southwestern border of the U.S. is just a little less than 2,000 miles long, and it's impossible to keep people from crossing the border. How would you secure a 1,000-acre cornfield? You, you can use a metal detector for an airport. Yeah. How do you do that with a field? Especially, you know, like I, I would imagine that whoever these people are who are thinking about ways to use agroterrorism, they're also thinking about uh, the least inconspicuous ways to transport the the uh, the um, biological agent from point A to point B. So, you know, it's a never-ending task. Um, tell us about your main character, Dr. Nick Polchak. Nick Polchak is a professor of entomology, that's the study of insects, mm -hmm. at North Carolina State University. And the reason he's called in in this situation is because insects have been used as weapons. They've been used to spread pathogens to, to plants. The Germans experimented with it during uh, World War II. The Russians, during the Cold War, they developed weapons spread by insects. So in my story, Ends of the Earth, some unusual insects show up on a tomato farm here in North Carolina. And uh, Nick is called in to investigate these insects, and he discovers a pathogen that's not supposed to be there. You know, it, rem it reminds me of uh, the uh, the zebra mussels, how they went from one place to another and, you know, taken over the Great Lakes until we were able to put a control on it. So if one insect that is not indigenous to an area is introduced to an area where it would prosper at, at great uh, s speed and great success uh, and multiply, I guess they wouldn't need a biological weapon in order to to uh, succeed with their terrorist plot, the insects could actually do it for them. But having a biological agent on top of that, that just makes it that much more catastrophic. Exactly, and that's the big danger, is could this, this naturally occurring pest mm. be carrying something that perhaps has been tinkered with in a laboratory that makes it all the more serious? And that really is possible today. Think about corn, for example. You know, we've got hybrids of corn now that represent 40, 50, 6 percent of the corn in the United States. So the biodiversity of our crops is actually decreasing. Well, that increases the possibility that somebody could genetically alter a pathogen yeah. that would attack that one species of corn and be extremely destructive. How did you learn about uh, forensic entomology? You know, I signed up for a course taught once a year for crime scene investigators to teach them to collect insect evidence at murder scenes. So here I am with all these forensic anthropologists and crime scene investigators and coroners. We met at an American Legion Hall. They showed slides of murder scenes for the first three hours of the day while they're serving Krispy Kreme donuts in the back of the room. <laughs> then in the afternoons, we'd go out to this guy's farm where there were dead pigs mm -hmm. everywhere, and those were murder victims. You were assigned one. Your job was to do as you had been instructed, collect your insect evidence and label it appropriately, bring it back, get checked out, and to close off the course, they had a pig roast. From Krispy Kreme donuts to pig roast, all in one day. <laughs> That's right. one 877 is toll-free throughout the U.S., Canada, Alaska, and Hawaii. My special guest this hour is Tim Downs, and Tim's website is www authortimdowns.com that's www.authortimdowns.com Tim, in a hypothetical situation, how long would it take for a agro-terrorist attack to be successfully completed? You know, that's the interesting question, Rob, because a pathogen, like a fungus, for example, could be 
could be uh, spread onto a crop. It not to have any economic content. That is, they do not consider the cost of inspections or the losses of failing to prevent an invasive species from entering the country, nor do they account for the severe uncertainty associated with infectious infestations in shipping containers and the potential losses from introductions of poorly understood or, or introduced invasive species. So it seems that the light is starting to turn on, and by the way, this article was from uh, Homeland Security today. Uh, it seems that the light is coming on, and, and more and more people are looking at not only the, uh, the established methods of terrorism, whether it is a bomb, whether it is a biological agent, but now they're looking at agriculture and the effects of an agro-terroristic attack and how it would affect the economy. Uh, how long, like, like we were talking before, that it would take, you know, somebody could actually start the attack in the, um, in the fall and we wouldn't find out about it until the spring or, or when the crops didn't come. How long would it take for the economy to be affected because of this agro-terrorist attack? That would happen almost immediately simply because of the, uh, the value of the agricultural sector. In my book, Ends of the Earth, I imagine uh, a terrorist deciding to attack the corn crop in the United States. If you walk into a grocery store, just look around the shelves, one out of every six products that you see mm -hmm. had something to do with corn, either in the contents or the processing or the packaging. Corn is used in everything. They use it to make explosives and automobile tires and disposable diapers. It's in everything. So imagine if you actually found a way to, to damage half the corn in the United States. Think of the effect it would have in the economy. It would have one heck of a ripple effect. It really would. Um, what has been the, the reviews by members of law enforcement on your book? Well, you know, the funny thing is when you write fiction, people don't take you so seriously. But some pretty serious ideas get raised by fiction books. What mm -hmm. we're doing as fiction writers is posing scenarios that aren't all that far from reality. Uh, but the law enforcement people don't comment on our books because we're not making any real claims. Uh, we're going pretty much directly to the public and just saying, have you thought about this? Because this is something that could actually happen. Yeah, you know, and, and I've, been, I've spoken to a number of fiction uh, authors who say it's easier to get a point across as a fiction an article of fiction or a thought of fiction than it would be in a novel. I really believe that's true, Rob, and I, because I think it's the power of story. Mm -hmm. You're allowing people to not just uh, hear a statistic, but actually envision something happening, and then you, you see the gravity of the situation. One of our listeners just sent me an IM, and the question is, would this also apply, and they put in brackets your book, Agroterrorism, if there was, uh, if something from space were to land land in a crop field would and cause I, I, I'm having a hard time understanding what they're trying to say here I, I would imagine what they're trying to say is if something from outer space was to land on on earth could it also cause a the same of the same thing as a uh, agro-terrorist attack yeah that's that's pretty far out there it's possible I suppose the, the problem would be for any sort of a 
pathogen to actually survive the environment of outer space. Could there be a toxin that could uh, come that way? I guess it's, it's possible. We'd still have an unknown agent, and then we'd have the problem of identifying it yeah. and uh, quarantining it. What's up next for Tim Downs? Well, I continue to write my Bugman series. Dr. Nick Polchak goes from place to place. Uh, I did a book uh, in set in northern Virginia where Nick was working with cadaver dogs, and uh, I sent him to New Orleans the week after Hurricane Katrina. He worked for a government organization called DMORT, the Disaster Mortuary Operational Response Team. They're the guys that go to major disasters to help uh, collect and identify human remains. So, hey, Nick always stays busy, and uh, I'll just have another adventure waiting for him. Sounds like uh, you keep Nick quite busy. I do, and it's a lot of fun. You know what's the most fun is doing the research on these stories because I talk to uh, experts in their field, mm -hmm. and I just I pose these scenarios. Writing Ends of the Earth, I interviewed a, a geneticist that works for uh, Pioneer Hybrid in Iowa, and I asked him if this happened, what I'm describing in my The future will be amazing, and that's all well and good. But what about today? You can feel the rush of a 400-horsepower Nissan Z. Or climb to new heights in the all-terrain Nissan Frontier. Light up the road in the all-electric Nissan Aria that feels like a sci-fi dream come true. The future will be great, but today is made for thrill. All you have to do is get in a Nissan and drive. 2023 Aria and Z not yet available for purchase. Expected availability is this spring for 2023 Z and this fall for 2023 Aria. Texting privacy policy in terms and conditions posted at textplan.us. Texting rules for occurring automated text marketing messages. Message and data rates may apply. Reply stop, opt out. The pandemic has been hard on all our kids. New studies show more than one in three children who started school in the pandemic now need intensive reading help. Here's the good news. Your child can be reading in just 30 days, guaranteed, with Hooked on Phonics. My first grader was behind in reading, and this program has made a huge difference. She's now reading above grade level. I use it for my kids' nightly reading for school. We love it, and it's super easy and quick to do. My kid, who just turned four years old and has been using the program since January of this year, can now read read. Thank you so much, Hooked on Phonics. Even if your child has been struggling, Hooked on Phonics will teach your child to read in just 30 days, guaranteed. And right now, you can get started for just $1. Text the word KID to 323232 right now. It's fast and easy. Text KID to 323232 and teach your child to read in just 30 days, guaranteed. Text the word KID to 323232. Text KID to 323232. Texting privacy policy in terms and conditions posted at textplan.us. Texting and rules for occurring automated text marketing messages. Message and data rates may apply. Reply stop, opt out. The pandemic has been hard on all our kids. New studies show more than one in three children who started school in the pandemic now need intensive reading help. That's right. Millions of kids in kindergarten through third grade in the United States cannot read at grade level. Here's the good news. Your child can be reading in just 30 days, guaranteed, with Hooked on Phonics. Even if your child has been struggling, Hooked on Phonics will teach your child to read in just 30 days, guaranteed. And right now, you can get started for just $1. Text the word GRADE to 323232 right now. Hooked on Phonics is highly effective and incredibly fun, and everything can be done right from home and in less than 20 minutes a day. For more than 30 years, Hooked on Phonics has been the proven learn-to-read program that kids love to use. Text GRADE to 323232 and teach your child to read in just 30 days, guaranteed. Text GRADE to 323232 right now and get started for just $1. Text GRADE to 323232 now. Text GRADE to 323232. Look, how long would it take us to recover? He said, you know what we'd have to do? We'd have to take all the remaining species of corn, test them to see if they had a natural resistance to this pathogen, mm -hmm. and if they didn't, we'd have to go back to the laboratory and engineer genetically a new species of corn 
that would take us from one to three years. My good Lord. I, I, you know, after, after reading a couple of excerpts from your book, I have to ask you, why did you choose to make the bad guy a Russian? Hey, you know what? I, I'm so grateful to the Russians these days. <laughs> you know, all the great spy novels, all the great bad guys came out of the Cold War. When the Cold War came to an end, the end of the Soviet Union, writers lost their bad guys. So then we had to go to Middle Eastern terrorists for a while. Everybody got tired of those. But after a year ago with the Russians invading Georgia again, we've got Russian bad guys once again. And so, yeah, I've got a whole new world of, uh, of writing opening up to me. You know, the, your, your book, Ends of the Earth, is, is a very serious topic. And yet there's a lot of humor in the story. Why? You know, there's a fine line between comedy and tragedy. I think people understand that sometimes... Something can be so heavy that it becomes unbearable, and you have to break the tension with humor. My character, Nick Polchak, he calls himself the bug man because he thinks of himself as an insect. And when he shows up at a crime scene, he doesn't belong there. He's not a part of the police force. So he's an outsider. He's got a funny way of looking at things, and he's just a wise guy. Nick just he says the things you always wish that you could say. You know, uh, some of the other books that you've written, Less Than Dead, First the Dead, uh, head game, plague maker. Uh, you know, it's kind of a bit of a morbid line. You know what's funny is when I first read about forensic entomology, about the use of insects mm -hmm. to determine how long someone's been dead or yeah. sometimes cause of death, I remember thinking two things at the same time. Number one, this is gross. And number two, this is fascinating. And it just amazes me what is possible with this science and what people are able to do. And that's what got me interested in it. And, uh, you know, the gross factor in my books isn't all that great, but, boy, they really are fascinating stories. Um, why did you set Ends of the Earth in North Carolina? Because it was close to home, because Nick, my main character, teaches at North Carolina State just up the road from me. Mm -hmm. My daughter's a senior at North Carolina State. It's always helpful to a writer when from time to time you can set a story in your backyard and uh, make research easier for you. Plus, it's, it's corn country and it's agricultural country. It just seemed to fit the story. Tim, I want to thank you so much for joining us tonight. It's been a great pleasure talking to you, an eye-opening experience, to say the very least. And uh, I'd love to have you back on the show in the future so we can discuss more about agroterrorism here on the Exxon. Love to do it, Rob. Thank you. Take care of yourself, Tim. Bye-bye now. Tim Downs, he is the author of Ends of the Earth. He's also the author of Less Than Dead, First the Dead, Head Game, Plague Maker, Chop Shop, and Shoe Fly Pie. His website is www.authortimdowns.com. That's www.authortimdowns.com. One eight seven seven five two eight eight two five five is toll free throughout the U.S., Canada, Alaska, and Hawaii. My name is Rob McConnell, and this is the X Zone on the Talk Star Radio Network. Earlier on tonight's uh, show, we were talking about one-hit wonders, and uh, you know, it, it is kind of funny that there have been those those uh, songs that have come up and they've gone away, and I, I you know, like Venus, uh, we played uh, in the year. 2525 uh, tonight we played a couple of them and um, sometimes artists come out with great songs and you, th you think wow when's the next one going to come and they kind of keep you hanging because you know what they never do
Here we go. Top five signs a mad scientist has moved in next door. Number one, yell across the fence. Are you still using that head? Number two, on garbage day, his can walks out to the curb by themselves. And number three, he uh, pronounces laboratory as laboratory. White lab coats. All he wears is white lab coats. And number five, the pool cleaner is named Igor. And from the uh, newsroom, well, we've got always some weird, wacky news that uh, is available. One of the major stories uh, that we were that we're watching now. This isn't weird or wacky news. Apparently, uh, earlier this month, a large asteroid came within 643,000 miles of Earth. Now, we've got uh, Mitch Batros, who is working on that story for us. And as soon as we... Um, we'll probably get Nick on with us when? Monday? Yeah, I'm told Monday Nick will be with us. This is the weekend that's coming up. I hope that everyone has a wonderful weekend and that, uh, you know, you, it's going to rain here. Right now it's 46 degrees outside our studios here in Hamilton, Ontario. But wherever you are, I hope that you have a safe weekend and that you enjoy yourself. And remember, if you drink, please don't drive. Some of the other stories in the newsroom. All right, Cheater goes uh, spectacularly in public in Sandusky, Ohio. 19-year-old Jesse Dutry chose a spectacular display of shame to try and win her fiancé back. Seems Jesse was a little unfaithful and cheated on him in the past. She was um, trying to confess her crimes to him uh, that, you know, he took her ring back and he called off the engagement. Geez, I wonder why. But despite her naughty, cheating heart, Jess wants him back. And what she decided to do was take a stand outside of a supermarket parking lot wearing a homemade sign that read, I cheated. Honk if I deserve a second chance. Well, she's not sure if it'll work, but she did say dozens of people honked. And some even got out of their cars to give her a hug and wish her well. And let me see uh, the final story for this segment. It's hard to get arrested for doing your laundry, isn't it? Well, you think it's pretty hard to get arrested just for doing your wash at a laundromat, but in East Naples, Florida, 59-year-old James T. Lowe showed us just how wrong we all can be. Police found him sitting outside the laundromat with no pants on because his pants were inside being washed. Lowe, who is homeless, also had an open container of booze, which didn't help the situation. So he was arrested for indecent exposure in public, trespassing, having an open container of alcohol in public area, and resisting an officer without violence. Hmm. Now it seems the latter charge came because he tried to walk away while officers were arresting him. And finally, true love defined. Want to know what love is? Well check out the story of Aaron Cole. Cole is a 24-year-old college student from Grass Lake, Michigan, and was headed to Maine for a vacation with his 22-year-old girlfriend, Shelley Johnson. While in New Hampshire, they saw a beautiful waterfall and decided to check it out. Cole started fooling around by walking in the water, which was a big mistake. He slipped and fell, then careened down the waterfall about 120 feet, bashing his head on the rocks. When he came to a stop, he lay bloody and unconscious, face down in a pool of water. 
Now, he wasn't breathing. By the time uh, Johnson reached him, he was in bad shape. But being a nursing student, she immediately gave him mouth-to-mouth -mouth resuscitation and stripped out of her bikini, using it to bandage his gashed head. Well, she carried him to safety, and um, <clears throat> they lived happily ever after. Uh, and yes, she did get the top of her bikini back. When we come back, wrap-up as another week comes to a close here in the X-Zone on the Talkstar Radio Network. My name is Rob McConnell. Don't go away. We'll be back in about four minutes. Speak up. This has been a message from the Ad Council. Welcome back, everyone. I'd like to take this opportunity of thanking all our guests tonight. We had a great show tonight. Um, started off with Mike Madrid. We talked about Supergirls of the comic book world. Dr. Lori Mintz and I discussed her new book, A Tired Woman's Guide to Passionate Sex. And in the final hour of tonight's show, Tim Downs talking about agroterrorism. We've had a number of emails, MSN messages, and uh, phone calls about agroterrorism. And uh, what we were able to find out in the few minutes that we had between uh, Tim leaving us and uh, getting back to uh, on air with you folks is that there was the first international symposium on agroterrorism that was held in 2005. The Heart of America Joint Terrorism Task Force, in conjunction with the Kansas City Division of the Federal Bureau of Investigation, initiated the concept of an international symposium on agroterrorism. The goal was to bring together the public and private sectors to identify and thwart domestic and global terrorism threats to the world's food supply. This initial discussion led to the development of the International Symposium on Agroterrorism. The inaugural ISA was held May 2-5 to 5 in 2005 in Kansas City, Missouri. The conference brought together more than 800 individuals from all 50 states and eight foreign countries. Attendees represented a wide range of entities, including government and law enforcement agencies at federal, state, and local levels, as well as academia, the scientific community, private industry, and the health, medical, and veterinarian professions. In addition to subject matter experts, prominent speakers included the U.S. Department of Agriculture Secretary Mike Jones and U.S. Senator Pat Roberts and FBI Director Robert Mueller. So, you know, agroterrorism, it is a concern to both homeland security as well as to the agricultural community. And, uh, you know, like, uh, like Tim said, you know, if the, the 
the repercussions and the ripple effect. Google, I grow terrorism. There are plenty of articles, news articles, as well as information uh, brochures and tips from the FBI. Well, that's it for this week, Exxon Nation. I'll be back Monday as once again we cross the time-space continuum to this place that I call the Exxon. It's a place where people dare to believe and dare to be heard. It's a place where fact is fiction and fiction is reality. To my producer and good friend at Master Control in White Springs, Florida, the home of the Talkstar Radio Network, the one and only Danny Suko. Danny? Always nice working with you. Have a safe weekend. And thanks for keeping us up on those four big satellites in the sky, Galaxy 4R, Telstar 7, Aglia 2, and Satellite G3, not to mention TalkStarRadio.com streaming audio. To my wife and senior producer, the lovely Laura Rogers, thank you, sweetheart. And and to you, the Exxon Nation, the best radio audience in the world, thank you for allowing us to be part of your day, your night, no matter where you are on this great big world of ours. You can always listen to the archives. They're free, www.exzonearchives.com. And if you're into the world of the weird news, all our weird news is posted at xzonenews.com. So until Monday night, take care of each other, have a safe weekend, and always keep your eyes to the sky and your heart to the light. Take care now. The first amendment reads, the 